Welcome back to another pep talk, everyone. For those new here, my name is Stefanos, and I am a PhD candidate in chemical engineering at Western University, and my mission is to educate, motivate, and inspire for a better tomorrow. I'm actually very excited for this episode today because we're going to be delving into a topic that I truly feel is crucial for one's personal development, both in a professional setting and in a personal setting, and that is specifically the topic of resilience and, more generally, the topic of a growth mindset. Uh, and funnily enough, this is something that uh, I didn't even realize until I was doing the research for this episode, is a very legitimate field of psychological study. And one that I am very grateful to have seen how far it's proliferated since its inception, because I truly feel like it's something that can change people's lives for the better. So this definitely took uh, a turn into much more of a deep dive, and there's gonna be a few studies that I actually reference from this field, uh, because I wanna quickly brush over some of the uh, the theory and the understanding, the background of what resilience and a growth mindset are, but then I want to quickly transition into the tools and tactics that we can actually apply on a day-to-day -day basis to improve our lives substantially. So yeah, like I said, super excited. Um, and I think the best place to begin is by defining what resilience and what a growth mindset are. And to do that, I'd like to start with a quote that I found. It goes, it goes like this. Difficulty, struggle, and frustration when you're learning something are not signs that you've reached your limits. They're signs that you're expanding your limits. And I think this perfectly encapsulates what a growth mindset is because it reframes our thoughts, our perception of failure and struggle. And resilience in a way is very similarly defined to self-confidence, at least in my opinion, in that it's your belief in your own ability to, to get something done, to solve the challenge that you're, that you're facing. And it's something that I find crucial if you're really gonna be able to be adaptable to change and, and receptive to feedback. So to take a little bit of a step back, this uh, mindset, the growth mindset, was the brainchild of Dr. Carol Dweck, who is a uh, professor of psychology at Stanford, where she explored the idea of reframing challenges as opportunities for growth, and more specifically also as an opportunity for our body and our brain to optimize our performance when faced with challenges. So you know for a fact that that automatically caught my attention. Um, and there's a couple key features that I'd like to highlight about why growth mindset can be so useful and adaptable and beneficial to adopt in our lives. Uh, the first is that it actually involves developing a disconnection between your identity and the challenge that you might be facing at any, at any given point. Um, and this concept stems from the idea that, you know, growing up, we might have heard someone say, oh wow, you're so smart, or oh wow, you're so athletic, or you're so anything, you're so talented. But the problem is that it turns out that when you associate praise with an individual's performance, then that can actually hinder their ability to grow and improve in the long run. And this is because, you know, think about it. If you no longer live up to that expectation of being so smart or being so talented or athletic or musical or whatever, then all of a sudden you can genuinely feel like a failure because you're not meeting that preconceived notion that someone placed on you. Um, and this is something that I want to explore a little bit deeper as we go into the episode. Uh, but conversely, <laughs> a growth mindset involves instead attaching your identity and your effort and your motivation to effort itself. In other words, it transitions our, our, our body and our mind from expecting an outcome uh, and an outcome-based result to instead appreciating the process for what it is. It's a learning process. It's, it's the, the, the steps about getting better. 
And that instead is what really helps develop a positive mindset towards approaching challenges. Uh, so I actually want to take a little step back because before we even continue, I think it's also crucial to understand and define what, a, what even is a mindset? Cause I feel like we all have a, an idea of what a mindset is, but I didn't even know that there was an official definition until I started doing the research for this. Um, and that definition was provided by Dr. Aliyah Crum, another professor of psychology at Stanford, where she says a mindset is a mental state or sorry, a mental frame or lens that selectively encodes and organizes information. And I think this is a very important definition because it focuses, at least the way I perceived it, on the organization of information. Because as we all know, we are constantly being bombarded with information on a daily basis internal information, our bodily cues, and external information from everywhere, our smartphones, the people around us, our sensory, uh, our sensory acuity and everything. And a mindset is what helps us organize and package this information into things that we should either respond to and, and commit our energy to, or just disregard entirely. Um, and this is very crucial uh, because it also allows, or it also explains how we process information about challenges that we might be facing. Now, the other thing is that mindsets are typically associated with narratives as well. And this is a very important uh, aspect to highlight because the narratives, or in other words, the stories that we tell ourselves are critical at kind of predicting how we're gonna respond to a situation. I'm gonna give you an example for myself. I've tell, told myself the story that I am a horrible musician. I have tried time and time again in the past to learn guitar and drums and whatever, but I have just, I have just, settled at the fact that I am not a good musician. And I've assigned a value to that statement because it has become a part of my identity. So I wanted to highlight this because it's an important aspect that I wanna, I wanna touch on. Um, and before we go any further, I would like to actually ask that we all take a moment to ask ourselves a few questions before we proceed. So these are the following. What have I been told by others that I am really good at? Conversely, what have I been told that I'm very poor at? Then I also want you to ask yourself, what have I told myself that I'm really good at? And then also conversely, what have I told myself that I'm really poor at? We also need to consider whether why we're good at something and whether it came to us naturally or we needed to put a lot of effort in. And the big thing while we're examining these questions is we have to try and look back and remember where did the feedback come from when we were attempting those things? Was it external? Was it teachers or your parents or, you know, your friends saying, oh, you're, you're really good at this or you're really bad at this? Or was it internal? Did we decide that we're not good at something or did we decide that we're really good at something? And did that influence our overall outcome and performance on that certain task? And the reason I want to highlight these questions is because it uh, it ties very neatly into the concept of brain plasticity or neuroplasticity, or in other words, the brain's ability to grow. So as the name suggests, growth mindset is all about the understanding that our brain can improve on, you know, whatever habit or task or challenge that we're facing, given the right amount of effort. Uh, and this is something that um, that is very critical to, to, to touch on because uh, in the past, there was a study conducted in 1995 where 85% um, of adults uh, believed that intelligence was fixed when asked. In other words, they thought that intelligence was an innate quality. You either, it was like on a scale of 
you know, one to one, uh, zero to a hundred and whatever intelligence you were assigned at at birth is what you were bound to achieve later in life. But this is obviously not true as we found out um, very fortunately for many of us, including myself. Uh, so yeah, I'd actually like to highlight a couple of examples that prove this very concept false and why the brain is truly in fact malleable to change. The first study was conducted by Dr. Carol Dweck herself, and it's very aptly uh, titled Praise for Intelligence Can Undermine Motivation and Performance. Uh, and this was a very profound piece of uh, research that was conducted where she discovered that the type of feedback that we receive can very profoundly impact our performance and our outcome on a specific task. So she uh, classified feedback as either being performance-based you're an excellent athlete, you are very smart, you're an excellent musician, or effort-based. Oh, I really liked how you engaged in that process, or I'm really proud that you uh, endured through these difficulties even though you were struggling with, with whatever it was that you were tackling. Um, and what she found was incredibly interesting. She found that people that were associated with being given performance-based praise were more likely to actually lie when it came time to report their um, their outcome when they were faced with something challenging because they felt like they needed to uphold that idea of being smart or fast or artistic or musical. Whereas on the other hand, people that were given praise based on their efforts were far more likely to want to engage in challenging processes that could expand their understanding of a subject because they knew that the reward was in the process itself. Uh, so this was honestly game-changing when I uh, when I discovered this um, and it really goes into how we internalize and process a lot of emotions based on our identity and it's easy to get caught in the mindset of our identity being tied in with you know whatever we think that we're good at but we honestly unlock ourselves when we are able to associate our identity with progress and effort. Uh, the second paper that I wanted to reference was um, uh, also written by, she was, it was written by Dr. Aliyah Crum, who I have mentioned earlier, uh, and she coined a term or a mentality called the stress is enhancing mindset. Um, and this paper uh, is titled Rethinking Stress, the Role of Mindsets in Determining the Stress Response. Uh, and this was also a very profound study because she goes into uh, the research of how we think about stress uh, impacts our actual response and reaction to that stress. Um, so uh, she did a very interesting piece of, uh, of research where she would take two control groups uh, and the one control group was told to sit into a lecture uh, titled The Negative Effects of Stress and Why We Should Avoid It. Uh, when, and then she, conversely she took the other control group and had them sit into a lecture called The Positive Effects of Stress uh, and Why We Should Embrace It. Uh, and both of these lectures were delivering true informations about stress. The negative side was talking about overstress, extreme, uh, extreme levels of stress that could be crippling, but the positive lecture was talking about how it can enhance your performance, enhance your focus, and your, your ability to stay present at a moment. So this is not, it's illustrating that this was not the placebo effect. Um, and then she had both of those groups engage in the same task, uh, and what she found was that those that had in their mind the negative impacts of stress performed far worse than those that were 
uh, explained the positive benefits. So this goes to show how our mind can truly dictate our performance in a given task based on the mindset and the, the mentality that we find ourselves in when we engage that task. Um, there's also one thing that I wanted to highlight a little bit in that when we tell ourselves that we are not good at something, when we, when we think that we're so stressed about something that we can't get it done, I think it's, it's worth taking the time to step back and actually explain what that means to ourselves. So I'm going to give you an example. I believe that I'm fairly decent at, uh, at, fairly competent at researching. I have been in academia and in a research engineering institution for the better part of three years. I know how to set up an experimental model, yada yada. <laughs> um, and that's why I can tell myself that I am good at that. Conversely, I know that I'm not the greatest musician. Um, I'm not afraid to say that. And when I break that down, is it really that I'm not a good musician or is it just that I haven't taken the time to actually commit the same amount of effort, right? So when I break down why I'm good at something, it's because I've spent a considerable amount of time doing it. I have faced a lot of failures through it and persisted through them and improved my ability in it. Whereas with music, have I really given it the same amount of effort and time and attention that I would be able to definitively say that I am not a good musician? In most cases, the answer will be no. So this just highlights a little bit about why the story that we tell ourselves can really be broken down into, okay, well, have I really even given it a fair shot? And if so, that's a different story entirely. But if not, then maybe it's time that we can reassess and reapproach. So having said all this, I quickly want to touch on um, a lot of the tools and tactics that we can use uh, to really adopt this mentality and how we can genuinely use it to change our lives. Now, the first thing that stood out for me was how we can develop emotional intelligence, or in other words, how we can take more control of our own emotions in a given situation or scenario. And I think this is the foundation for building uh, a mind ready and adaptable to change. So the biggest thing is that we have to be able to practice recognizing our and understanding our emotions as they arise. This comes hand in hand with mindfulness, which is a, uh, a topic in and of itself, which I want to go into a little bit later, um, or in another episode, I mean, but it's, it really is about reframing your mind and learning to manage your emotions in a healthy and constructive manner, instead of letting them take control of you. So this is, a, is the foundational layer of what it means to be adaptable and open to change. The second thing is embracing challenges. And this is something that I feel should be more sought after by many people because I feel like instead of avoiding challenges, when we actively seek out opportunities for change, it can really help us grow comfortable outside of our comfort zone. It can grow, it can grow our self-confidence and our, and our belief in our own ability, like I said. And we can take the example of starting a new, a new project at work um, or learning a new skill before because, it, again, it's a safe way for us to dip our toes into these challenging mentalities or these challenging sets of work that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to. The second big thing is that we need to be able to view and reframe effort um, as the path to mastery. Nobody is going to be great at anything right off the bat when we first start. That is a given. I have tried more things that I'd like to admit and given up on more things than I'd like to admit. But now that I've kind of understood how the brain works in terms of progress, 
we have to remember that every step, every failure is one step closer to mastery. And it's one step closer to the person that we want to be. So instead of, instead of being discouraged by the effort required, we should see it as, as a stepping stone, like I said, to becoming a better version of ourselves. The third thing is we should learn from our failures. And this is a very crucial one too, because instead of dwelling on failures as indicators of you know, our limitations and what we aren't capable of, we should see them as opportunities to take a moment, to, to step back, observe what went wrong, try and modify our behavior and our strategy, and then reapproach the problem with a fresh mindset. The third thing is, and this is very closely tied in, sorry, the fourth thing, and this is very cl closely tied into uh, the third, is that uh, we should be persistent in the face of setbacks. And this, obviously, like I said, with failure is quite critical because the more times that we can we can approach a problem and get you know metaphorically knocked down and get back up and persist on that matter the more opportunities we have to grow and improve and really just prove to ourselves that we are able to get this done the fifth thing is that we should seek out feedback and this is something that i have always struggled with because again i very closely tied my identity to my performance and I felt like asking for feedback from others, asking for help was a sign of, oh, he's actually not that smart. He needs the help from others. Why would he, you know, why is he given the praise that he is? Um, but instead of taking feedback personally, we have to start disconnecting ourselves from it and just accept that we are not going to be able to improve without the assistance of others. And we should use, we should use others as a way to keep ourselves accountable and in check. So, we should actively seek out feedback to understand how we can improve any of our activities. The sixth thing is seeking inspiration from others. Uh, this is also something that I actually struggled with quite a lot for the majority of my life because again, I very cl closely tied my identity to my performance and my, I don't know, I it's it's horrible to say, but let's say my, my feeling of being almost superior at someone, at, at other people in a given field. But this led me to being threatened all the time whenever anybody would do something that I really wanted to do or that I was trying to but not able to do. And instead, if you can take a step back again, look at that person's success and instead of being threatened, being inspired, that can change your perception on all of this process. We're all in this together and we should all be inspired from one another. And now this is, this is huge for me. So instead of comparing yourself um, to, you know, a successful colleague or someone in your class or anything like that, try and learn from what they're doing. Try and learn from what they're doing right and ask them for some help. There's nothing wrong with that. And for example, if any, if any of you wanted to ask me about, you know, anything in the world, I would be more than happy and honestly honored to be able to assist in any way that I could to try and improve your lives. The seventh thing is that we should embrace learning and development. Um, I feel like this is definitely a skill that is lost nowadays, um, but we should really cultivate a learning, uh, sorry, a love for learning and seeking new experiences that can help us learn and develop more. Because otherwise, there is no expansion of ourselves. There's no expansion of our being, of who we are, of our soul. So I really hope that we can all, especially given that it's still the, you know, the end of summer um, and maybe, you know, we don't have that many classes for a semester, that we should you know, take the opportunity to take, a, take an online course, 
you know, read a book, attend a workshop, do something that, that challenges you and that allows you to start learning more. Uh, this, the eighth thing is that we should face criticism with resilience. Uh, and this is another crucial thing uh, related back to feedback. Um, we are eventually at some point in our lives going to receive criticism, whether it's constructive or destructive. The key thing here is we cannot allow our emotions to take hold of us when we are receiving this feedback. Instead, we have to take it once again, a step back, disconnect our identity from the criticism and try and understand and learn from what the other person is telling us. If it's constructive feedback, then all the better. That would be fantastic. But if it's destructive feedback, then we still need to take the opportunity to take a step back, understand what that person is trying to say and see if we can learn from some, from, from what they're saying. There's always a chance that, you know, maybe they are in fact right. Maybe that we did overlook something or maybe we aren't actually performing to the best of our ability. And it could be, it could be a very real um, point of contention. The ninth thing that I uh, wanted to touch on is celebrating your progress. And this is something that I have very much struggled with uh, throughout my life because I'm the kind of person that would not cut myself slack until the very end, until I've accomplished that goal, you know, whatever that goal is. So to give you the example of a summer diet, um, I would not let myself cheat or have anything that would go against my diet or didn't fit within my calories or my macros until the very end. And this promoted a very negative relationship with food or alternatively, um, I'm the kind of person that if I start a project, I, I really cannot let go or I cannot stop or take a break until it's done. And this can, this is just a surefire way to encourage burnout. So we really need to start taking a step back and allowing ourselves to enjoy the process of what we're doing. Because if we don't enjoy the process, then we can't engage in that process. And if we can't engage in the process, then we cannot get better and complete whatever it is. So taking a step back and celebrating yourself and every step of the way is crucial for reinforcing that positive behavior. The next thing is shifting your self-talk. Uh, this is also something that I find, I, I feel like everybody has, has struggled with negative self-talk. Um, the stereotypical, you know, you are your, your own worst enemy is a very real concept because we levy the most criticism upon ourselves. And this is something that is going to take practice. In fact, probably a lifetime of practice to actually shift the way that we see ourselves and the way that we perceive ourselves um, to a more healthy mindset. And it's, it's crucial that we replace these self-limiting mentalities with affirmations of ability, affirmations of, of belief in ourself. And again, this is going to take a lot of time and a lot of repetition and effort, but shifting the self-talk that we apply to ourselves is one of the biggest things that we can do in changing the way that we approach any situation in life. We stop feeling like, you know, oh, I, I can't do that because of whatever I've told myself, or I'm never going to amount to something because X, Y, Z. No, we are able to solve anything that is thrown our way if we believe that we can. So this is why self-talk can be so critical. The second to last thing, <laughs> um, this is something that I have taken on far more in depth recently, uh, and that is the practice of mindfulness and gratitude. Um, mindfulness is something that I was very skeptical when I was younger, um, as I'm sure most of the guys that watch this are too, uh, but it has truly transformed the way that I am able to approach and attack a day. Because 
by giving myself the 10 to 20 minutes every morning that it takes to really be in the moment, be at peace, find myself, and get all these jumbled thoughts out of my head and onto paper or just focus on my breathing in the moment, it allows me like a, an unreal level of focus and performance that day. So I would truly encourage every one of you to take a moment, download an app like Calm or better yet, an app uh, called Waking Up, um, which was created by neuroscientist Sam Harris. Uh, they both offer guided meditations that are only 10 minutes every morning and they can truly transform the way that you approach and tackle a day. Um, along with this, <laughs> I really want to encourage everybody to get a little journal and just at the beginning or the end of every day, write down a list of three to five things that you're grateful for. This trains your mind to looking for things that, that you're grateful for. And no matter how bad your day might be, you can take the, the, the moment to just sit down and say, you know what, that coffee that I had in the morning was really nice. It really made me feel at peace. Or I'm really grateful for the, for the breeze that I, I felt this morning. It felt me, it made me feel alive. Or I'm grateful that I, you know, made eye contact with a stranger and we smiled and that made me feel happy. It really trains yourself to look for these positive little moments of, of happiness and gratitude in the world. And that can truly change your perspective and your mood on a day-to-day -day basis. The final thing that I really want to touch on, which I do not think is highlighted enough in our life, um, is celebrating other people's success. Now, I want to make a, um, a special note on, on this because, once again, it is not something that came easy to me. I always felt very threatened by other people's success and their progress. Um, I felt like I should be there, like why am I not there yet, like how have I, you know, why am I such a failure for not being able to do this? But just like with gratitude journaling, when you're able to frame someone else's success in your mind as a positive, as something to celebrate and to, to really be proud of, then you are putting that positive energy out there in the world, which you will receive at some point back again. So. Celebrating other people's success is probably one of the most selfless and happy things that you can do both for yourself because when you're grateful and genuinely proud of someone else's success, it releases so many positive chemicals in your body and it really changes the way that you approach failure. It makes you, it makes you see the picture in a, from a bigger perspective and it can really change the way that you, you approach life as a whole. So guys, those are the last of the tools. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that I was able to kind of emphasize why growth mindset is so critical as a whole to be able to improve our lives. I really do feel like the number one thing that we can do to make ourselves better is be more open-minded, be more receptive to change because change is the one certainty that we can rely on in life. Everything is gonna change and that's for sure. And the more open and receptive we are to it with a smile, the better we can just be in life. There's no need to stress, no need to be negative, no need to be worried. Things are gonna be all right. And that is a fact. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much guys again. Um, if you like this video, please like, share, the whole shebang. And I'm very excited to see you guys in the next one. Peace.